March 21st, 2023. We're in Masechet Bet Let's again uh, return to the Mishnah and quickly review it and then the Gemara and uh, everything the Gemara has to explain about this important Mishnah. It says the Mishnah, two lines from the top, Bet Omrim, En Mosi'in Lo Katan, Velo Etalula, Velo Sefer Torah, Lirshut Rabim, Bet Matirin, the Mishnah records Mahlok, the dispute between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel about this Isur specifically of Hotza'ah, of uh, moving an item from a pu- private domain into a public domain. It's called Melechet Hotza'ah. Uh, it's Asur, certainly on Shabbat. The question is its application with regards to Yom Tov. Bet Shammai, giving three examples, the Mishnah does forbade that movement, that uh, taking from one uh, location to another, from one domain to another. What are the three examples? Katan, that's a child, lulav, we know what a lulav is, and Sefer Torah we're familiar with as well. We talked about the opinion of Rabbeinu Hananel, that these are specified because they're a mitzvah, which means to say that even Betilel who permit the movement of these items from one place to another, specifically and only because it's uh, comprising in these contexts a mitzvah. If it weren't to be a mitzvah, even betilel perhaps would be forbidding. We talked about many of the uh, explanations and opinions with regards to that. We'll address them again in the Gemara, but that's the mahloket here in the Mishnah. Melechet hotza'ah on Yom Tob, Bet Shammai is permitting, Bet Hillel, excuse me, Bet Shammai is uh, forbidding, and Bet Hillel is permitting. You'd have to have it in the Knis already, you need an Eruv, any of those sorts of circumstances. Yeah, again, this Mishnah is specifically when you don't have Eruv, and when you're going from the Shul Tarabim to the Shul Tarabim. So you need to leave it in the Knis. You need to leave it in the Knis beforehand, or you need an Eruv. In any of those circumstances, it's okay. It's not, you see, when there's a gift. I know the Mishnah Yotim Masechet Listen, the Gezera of Rabbah, of Shemeya Avirena, Arba'amot Bereshut Rabim is already post-Mishnah anyway. Uh, so uh, the Mishnah and, and Betilel's opinion and Betchamai's opinion are notwithstanding those realities. Says the Gemara, Tane Tana Kameder Bitzhak Baravdimi. There was an individual who used to recite Beraitot. He was proficient in them, and he taught them in front of Bitzhak Baravdimi. And the Beraita went as follows Hashohet Olat Nedava Biyom Tob Loke. That was the statement. A person who slaughters an olat nidava. Nidava means it's uh, your own donation. It's out of the goodness of your heart. It's not obligatory. It's not an olat chova, but it's rather an olat nidava. Now, korban olah is very unique in respect that korban olah is kulola Hashem. A person doesn't benefit at all. It gets slaughtered, burnt, and sacrificed to God entirely. As a result, there's no beneficial aspect and a dividend to the person who brought that korban. That's important, which means to say in the raw sense, there's no sorech yom tov. There's nothing that the person is deriving with regards to physical pleasure on that day by bringing a korban olah. The statement in turn is if a person brings a korban olah, which is not hova, it's not, Rashi explains, either an olat re'iyat, or safot, uh, deals with the technicalities, or korban musaf. Irrespective of the details, it's a korban nedava. You're bringing it on your own, and you're slaughtering it. Nothing to do with hot per se, 
which is what our Mishnah was specifically talking about, but slaughtering, Hotza'at Neshama, it's another melacha on Yom Tov, on Shabbat. In such a circumstance, says the Beraita, if a person were to do so on Yom Tov, loke, he's violated the laws of Yom Tov. Now again, if we were to just read the Mishnah in a vacuum without understanding its implications, we'd say this has nothing to do with our Mishnah. Our Mishnah was talking about the laws of moving something from one domain into another domain. This Beraita is talking about slaughtering, a different melacha, it's nothing to do with the the issue of our Mishnah. Explains the Gemara, however, Amar Ler, Bitzhak Baravdimi, remarks about that Beraita, De Amar Lecha Maneh. If uh, someone were to ask you who's the author of that Beraita, could you uh, give us a name, an opinion, who maintains what you learned in that Beraita, that if a person slaughters the Olat Nedavan Yom Tobis Loke, Bechamayi. You should know that only follows the opinion of Bechamayi. It doesn't follow the opinion of Betilel. Why not? Because was they're okay with slaughtering if you're going to eat it, if you're going to benefit from it. Remember what we're talking about over here is Ola. Ola means there's no physical benefit. You're not eating from it. Spiritual benefit apparently not sufficient with regards to determining something as Simhat Yom Tov. We're making Korbanot on Yom Tov because those are Korban Chova. Over here it's Olat Nedava. That's exactly the point, right. Why would a person give an Olat Nedava? They're thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They made a business deal, conditional, I'll give this if it goes through, something along those lines. To a certain extent, what people sometimes do with Siddhaka today, you're thankful, you've received, you want to give back. But anyway, says the Gemara, says Rabbi Yitzhak Baravdimi, you should know that the implication of our Mishnah is wider and broader than that which met the eye. What met the eye in the Mishnah was, as we mentioned a moment ago, Melech HaTotza'ah. Says Rabbi Yitzhak Baravdimi, Says Rabbi Yitzhak Baravdimi, it's even Betilel. What do you mean? Betilel, we're only permitting Hotza'ah. Explains Rabbi Yitzhak Baravdimi, Da Amre, according to Bet Shammai, Lo Amrinan, Mitoch Shutra Hosa'a Lesorech Utra Nameh Lo Lesorech. Ti Betilel, Ha Amre, Mitoch Shutra Hosa'a Lesorech Utra Nameh Lo Lesorech. His interpretation of our Mishnah is very fundamental. It's very foundational. According to Betilel, the reason the carrying, the taking from one domain into another is permitted is not something unique and narrow with regards to that melacha called hotza'ah. It's rather broader. It goes like this. If this action, which would generally speaking be forbidden, but it could be used, it could be done in order to bring forth food on Yom Tov, well, the Torah tells us, The Torah tells us when it comes to Yom Tov, there's a permissibility with regards to what we call Melechet Ochel Nefesh. And as a result, if I were to carry food from one domain into another, of course that's permitted. By extension, that's the interpretation of Betilel. Any action which could or would be done on Yom Tov for food, you can do it for non-food stuff and activities as well. That's the statement. That's the understanding of Betilel. Betilel in our Mishnah, we're talking about a foundation, a fundamental, nothing to do per se specifically with Hotza'ah. The example was Hotza'ah, but it extends to pretty much every other melacha. If any melacha could be used, could be done and implemented in order to bring forth food, that's of course permitted, the Torah tells us that. The extension and understanding of the Torah's permissibility is anything with that melacha is permitted as well. Well, this opens up a whole can of worms. 
Ah, so this opens a whole issue over here for us. According to Betileu, understanding Bet Shammai is not going to have any of this permissibility. According to Betileu, where do we draw the line? Is there a line to be drawn? Does that mean there's no Isur Melachan Yom Tov? Well, as uh, Rabbi just mentioned, that's what we mentioned in the Mishnah. Rabbeinu Hananel's opinion is specifically and only if it's what's called Sorech Mitzvah. His understanding of those three examples in the Mishnah are that they constitute a mish- mitzvah to the extent that he says when we're dealing with taking the child out, it's for the mitzvah of milah. That's the understanding of Rabbeinu Hananel. It means that uh, you're not really permitting everything. You're permitting any of these activities both for food as well as sorech mitzvah. Tosafot is a little bit more expansive. Tosafot says, no, it's even if it's sorech yom tov, define accordingly. You're taking a walk with your child, and that's why you're carrying your child outside, in order to get a breather, in order to enjoy the, the views and uh, the, to engage in conversation with others. That's what's permitted as well. So Tosafot permit mitoch, again, from the fact that this, these melachot are permitted for sorech ochil nefesh, it's permitted for sorech yom tov, defined somewhat subjectively, but by each of us based on our needs, our necessities in order to enhance the day. Rashi is the most permitting in this context. Rashi doesn't seem to have any of these parameters. Any isur that you're going to encounter, it'll appear from Rashi as we learn the Gemara onward, is rabbinic in nature. From the Torah, anything seems to be permitted. Does that mean really any melacha? The Aharonim, the later authorities, do struggle with Rashi. It probably means, they suggest, that it's specifically in the context of melachot, which could or would be used specifically for food. If it's a melacha, which has nothing to do with production of food, so that's not going to be permitted. But melachot, which could or would be used in order to produce, to bring, or to create food, that would be permitted according to the Torah under all circumstances. That's quite the hidush, quite the leniency which we don't follow. We fall, generally speaking, in the middle on this matter, like Tosafot, as we'll address as we go along. But that's the statement here. Again, the statement of Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Avdimi and his interpretation of the Mishnayis, that Bet Shamayim Bet don't only disagree about Hotza'ah, about moving and carrying from one domain to the next, they disagree fundamentally about how it works on Yom Tov. That's what I've mentioned. This, in my mind, is the most important Mishnah in Masechet Betzah, because this is the Mishnah which describes for us Yom Tov. You know, at the uh, Hanukkah Bayit, there's a minhag, um, many, if not all of us have, um, we uh, read Mishnayot, we read Masechet Berachot, we read Masechet Betzah, and we read Masechet Tamid. And the reason we do so, according to the tradition, is Berachot is a bet, Betzah is Yom Tov. Faradim historically called it Masechet Yom Tov, that's the Yod, and of course Tamid is the Taf, the acronym is Bayit, constituting a house in your reading of the Mishnayot. It means that we're really reading about in Masechet Betzah, the laws of Yom Tov, which we've already realized. We've been talking about Mukseh, we've been talking about all sorts of Simchat Yom Tov issues and so forth. If you're not going to address this issue, what distinguishes Yom Tov from Shabbat, and you're really missing the Masechet. This is the Mishnah, then, in my mind, which really defines Yom Tov's unique characteristic. Of course, we'll deal with Eruvet, Tavshilin, and other matters of that sort, which are rabbinic. This is the biblical uh, permissibility on Yom Tov, the extension of Melechet Ochel Nefesh. That's the statement, then, in the Gemara. The Gemara according to Bitzhak Baravdimi, Bet Shammai. 
According to Bitzhak Bar Avdimi, the Beraita is only Bet Shammai who would forbid. Bet Shammai would say, well, yeah, of course it's permitted. No, what do you mean? It's not Sorech Yom Tov. It is Sorech Yom Tov. I know, but it's not. I'm not benefiting directly. Who cares if you're benefiting directly? You have a spiritual benefit, Tosafot will tell you. It's a mitzvah, Rabbein Hananel will tell you. Rashi will tell you, who cares? It's permitted, right? Milan, we have a specific derasha that Bayoma Shemini, Mol Besar Olato, which means to say it's Bayoma Shemini, Afilu Shabbat. That's the derasha of the Gemara. Including Yom Tov, of course. Over here in our Mishnah, we're talking about carrying the child for the Milan. That derasha is specifically for the Milan. Leave the child in the Knis, in the home, and do the Milan over there without the carrying. Right? In other words, this is a step removed in that respect. I says the Gemara, okay, says Rabbi Tzhad Paravdimi, so too over here, according to Bet Hilel, Now the Gemara will suggest a different interpretation to our Mishnah. Gemara will in turn knock that down. We'll have two different opinions which are recorded over here. But again, the, the fundamental one will be the one that will be standing at the end of all this. The fundamental one says, read the Mishnah as expansive, not only Hotza'ah, Pretty much all melachot that at the very least are involved with food making, food bringing, would be permitted. Says the Gemara, but maybe not. Matkif la Rabbah. Says Rabbah, I read the Mishnah a lot more narrowly. Betile, we're never permitting any of these melachot we just uh, conjured up in our minds. Betile are only permitting hotza'ah. How so? Mimai, who told you? De betchamayu betilel beha pelige. Peleg means to be split. Mimai means uh, from where? From what? From what did you determine that betchamayim betilel beha beze on this pelige that they dispute this issue? The fundamental issue, which we call again mitoch, the issue of how far do we permit melechet ochel nefesh, again, productive activity for making food, how expansive is it? Who said that's the mahloket? Dilma, maybe, be'eru ve'hotza'ah le'shabbat, ve'en e'eru ve'hotza'ah le'yom tov kamiflige. Maybe, we'll define the words in a moment, but maybe narrowly, the mahloket be'chamayim be'tilel, their dispute in our Mishnah, is specifically and only about whether there's a melacha on yom tov called carrying, called moving something from one domain to the next. That's it. You got very imaginative, Rabbi Yitzhak Baravdimi. You wanted to expand Bet Hillel and to be permitting all sorts of things on Yom Tov. Has v'shalom Rabbah seems to be implying. The only mahlok, the only dispute is about, narrowly speaking, read the Mishnah, whether on Yom Tov there exists one of those 39 melachot called Hotza'ah. That's it. Nothing more and nothing less. First and foremost, why would Hotza'ah be any different than the other 38 Melachot? We have 39 Melachot. The Mishnah tells us in Masechet Shabbat and Daf'ayim Gimal, why would Hotza'ah be different? The Gemara will cite a Pasuk from Sefer Yirmiyah, but the Pasuk from Sefer Yirmiyah is what we call an Asmachta. It's not a proof text per se, and ultimately speaking, we're not going to even going to apply it. It's what you call an Asmachta. The rabbis pointed to a Pasuk in Navi to try to support a notion that they had. But it's not going to be the ultimate uh, determinant for why Hotza'ah is different. Tosafot, here on the left-hand side, uh, five lines down in the, uh, six, five lines down in the uh, wider, wider lines, on the medium lines, 
Tosafot suggests, based on the Gemara at the very beginning of Masechet Shabbat, on Daf Bet, that Hotza'ah is what you call a Melacha Geru'ah. It's the least in terms of severity, in terms of essence with regards to Melachot. What are you talking about? It's the one we talk about all the time. Do you have the Eruv? Do you not have the Eruv? It's not to say that it's the least in terms of the way we should appreciate it and apply it to our lives. It's the least in terms of inherent nature. What do I mean by that? Well, Tosafot there at the beginning of Masechet Shabbat point out that it goes like this. Whereas I'm not allowed to grind, the grinding itself is clearly the issue. Whereas I'm not allowed to separate and sift, well, those melachot or melachot in it of themselves, and so forth. When it comes to hotza'ah, however, it's not the moving per se which is forbidden, because I can carry something very heavy from one side of my house to the other side of my house, but it's all in one domain, that's permitted. And then I can take something very small from my house into the street, assuming I'm Rashut Yahid and Rashut Rabim, and that's prohibited. So there's something to it that doesn't define the act itself as problematic, but the context which kind of paints that issue. It's so to speak something broader which we're nervous, God was nervous about, which is what makes it prohibited. And as a result, Hotza'ah is always envisioned again as melacha Gerua'ah, it's a little bit lower in terms of its level. So that's what the Gemara is suggesting. It's like leaving the 2,000 more. True. True, in other words, uh, Jesse says he appreciates it in the context of Tehom Shabbat. You're allowed to walk plenty, you're allowed to take walks around and around your neighborhood and so forth. But when you get to a certain point, outside of it, you can't go further. What does that mean about the walking? The walking was problematic. No, the walking was my onik. Nonetheless, there is something about the context that forbids it. It says Tosafot. Okay, so assuming that's the Sorek, why are you assuming any of this is Shiloh the Sorek? You're carrying even if it's the Sorek on Shabbat, this forbidden, right? You said one side of the house to the other. All right, assuming it's not too heavy to consider it a Tehashelo Litzorek or a Tehayetera. All right, so that's the Tosafot interpretation to why we would distinguish, according to Rabbah, between Yom Tov and Shabbat, specifically with regards to Hotza'ah. What do these words mean, Eruv ve'hotza'ah? Rashi interprets these words as referring to what's called Eruve Haserot. Broadly speaking, ultimately speaking, I should say, uh, the Gemara means what we just said. It. The question is whether we apply this Melachav Hotza'ah to Shabbat and Yom Tov uh, uh, accordingly, or is it only by Shabbat and not by Yom Tov? But what are the specific words, Eruv Vehotza'ah, which is what the Gemara mentioned? Rashi says there are reference to Eruv, which is called Eruve Haserot, perhaps not the Eruv that you and I think about uh, innately in today's day and age, but Eruv Haserot is a type of reality. If you've ever been to down Avenue U, and you make a right around, in between East 2nd and Ocean Parkway, there's that alleyway over there. It's a small, private-ish alleyway. Imagine it was kind of closed off even. That would be considered a hatzer if it was really closed off, because you have several homes which lead into it, and you have several private domains. Assuming that was actually, let's call it a cul-de-sac, or closed off on one end, that would be what we would call a reshut yahid from my home and my yard into a public, but not really public area, that's, that's, that's a situation where we would apply which means to say the rabbis forbade, even though the Torah only says when you go from a private into a public domain, uh, that's the problem. The rabbi said if you're going from a private domain into a private domain, you need to do what's called Eruv. Eruv means to mix. We mix our food together in someone's home and say, this person is in charge of 
uh, all of our property, and we kind of combine this property. That's what's called the Eruvei Haserot. It could apply, we'd need classes to discuss this, in hotels and apartment buildings accordingly, right? You're dealing with many Rishut and then one public Rishut It's not really public, but it's a kind of a private public area. Uh, we, we could discuss why and how we do or should or shouldn't apply in those circumstances, but that's what uh, the Gemara then is specifically referring to. So the Gemara says, says Rashi, we're talking about Eruve Haserot, but it amounts to the same thing as what we described that on Yom Tov you don't have such an issue. On Shabbat you would. Tosafot quotes from Rabbeinu Hayim that you should read it not as Eruv Vehotza'ah, but rather Eruv Hotza'ah. The question is with regards to Yom Tov, do you combine, again, Eruv Le'arev means to mix, do you mix this Melacha called Hotza'ah together with the other 39 or not? Again, those are technicalities important to discuss and to understand. But the issue then, says Rabbah, in response to the Beats Hakbar Avdim, is I don't understand your claim. You read our Mishnah. There's a dispute between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel about carrying from one domain into the next, and you understood it as applying to anything besides carrying? Oh, you're going too far. Uh, that's very imaginative, very Talmudic of you. But who told you that's the Mishnah? The Mishnah is only talking about Hotza. So Mi- no it's according to Betilel, there's only carrying, there is no Isur carrying on Yom Tov, correct. There's no Isur whatsoever. So that's the, that's the claim. Matkif, Lahatkif means to ask a strong question. Matkif la Rabah, Rabah questions this notion, this premise we had until now. How do you know? What is it that implied to you that on this matter, on the matter of, again, we give one word, mitoch, they're split, they're divided, they disagree. Dilma, maybe instead, whereas one opinion maintains, maintains, this isur called hotza'ah, the carrying from one domain to another, applies equally to Shabbat and Yom Tov. Umor Savar, the other opinion, meaning Betilel, their opinion alternatively is Eruv Hotza'a le Shabbat, Ve'en Eruv Hotza'a le Yom Tov, Kedichtiv. Again, we gave the logic from Tosafot. The underlying logic of here is because Hotza'a is diminished in nature. But the Gemara again brings an Asmachta for, or Rabbah does for Betilel, Kedichtiv lo totziu masa mi batechem beyom HaShabbat. The Pasuk in Yirmiyah of all places says you shouldn't be moving from your homes uh, a burden on Shabbat. Beshabbat in Beyom Toblo. Perhaps this Pasuk we can point to and say, you see, Hotza'ah is only a problem when it comes to Shabbat, not to Yom Tov. Again, that's the counterclaim of Rabbah. Whereas Harari has been telling you this is the most important Mishnah in Masech Betzah, says Rabbah, yeah, a little bit, but not as important as you made it. It's only dispute with regards to carrying. That's important. But you made it as if it's going to change my day entirely. You made it as if hot water will be included in this. We talked about that, as a matter of fact, uh, quickly on Friday. So I said, about where did you come up with hot water? We're only talking about carrying. You made it as if we're going to be able to talk about other matters with regards to permissibility on Yom Tov. Not so fast, says the Gemara. Not really. I'll tell you, Rabbah, I'll counter your counterclaim. Again, Rabbi Yitzhak Baravdini broadens this spect- perspective of our Mishnah. Uh, Rabbah narrows the spectrum, and now we have it back. Let's broaden it again. Matkif la Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef now turns to Rabbah and says, listen, if that dispute between Bet Shaman and Bet was really specifically and only about carrying, 
it should have been a little bit more sharp in its wording. How so? Ela me'ata liflegu ba'avanim. Ela midelo miflege ba'avanim shema'mina behotza'a shelo lesorech pelige. The counterclaim, and ultimately speaking, maintaining that our Mishnah is very broad, goes as follows. Rav Yosef questions Rabbah. He knocks out Rabbah for all intents and purposes. He says to him, listen, if the mahlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel was really about carrying, about moving from one domain to another with something in your hand, in your pocket, we should have made it a lot sharper, our Mishnah. The Mishnah, Beit Hillel, should have been permitting even what we call mukseh, even rocks. Oh, I mean rocks. Rocks have no purpose on Yom Tov. They have no purpose on Shabbat unless they do, and you designated them, assuming you didn't. Now, why are rocks, when they have no purpose and they're, desig- and they're not designated, prohibited on Shabbat or Yom Tov? The, the explanation explains Rashi based on this Gemara, Gemara Masechet Shabbat and Kof Kaf Dalet, goes as follows. The rabbis were nervous that you and I were going to end up going from private domain into public domain while carrying things. So in order to restrict that, they said, don't just carry around things you don't have usage for. Only carry things, even in private domain, that you have usage for. Nothing more and nothing less. Why didn't they forbid carrying anything? I'm not allowed to carry food, I'm not allowed to carry the concept, that would be a gezerah. We wouldn't be able to not carry anything on. What would you do? All your food's out on the table, you put it in your mouth, and you can't carry anything, you can't open a book, you can't, uh, you're wild. As a result, everything's permitted except for the unnecessary items. Well, if the whole purpose of mukseh in this respect, what we call avanim, stones, rocks, are forbidden because of carrying, because you might come to carry, so why didn't Beit Hillel and Aaron Mishnah be a lot stronger about their opinion? Say, listen, you want to know what's permitted on Yom Tov? Even carrying rocks. Whereas Beit Shammai was like, what are you talking about? That's not permitted. In other words, if fundamentally the Mahloket was specifically and only about carrying from one domain into the other, Beit Hillel should have been fully permitting and clear about what they're permitting in the context of carrying. The fact that our Mishnah doesn't present it as such, and instead gives us those beautiful examples, the lulav, the child, the sefer Torah, it seems to denote for us, seems to, to, to imply to us that this mahlokit is not per se only about carrying, it's about something a lot broader than carrying. It's about the implications of the Torah permitting melechet ochen nefesh. That's what the Gemara then suggests for us, and that's how the Gemara then stands. It means our Mishnah is a Mishnah which defines and we have Beit Hillel's opinion, which is going to be the dominant opinion, obviously, that when it comes to Yom Tov, God tells us in the Torah explicitly, productive activity to make food is permitted. Say Beit Hillel, not only if it's specifically for making food, but expand that further. How far do you expand that? All right, the medieval commentators have been Hananel, Tosafot, and Rashi all debate that, but we already now have a vantage point for understanding how this is permitted even further. Says the Gemara, don't suffice with one opinion who opined like that, who said that would be its Hakbar Avdimi. You should know Rabbi Yohanan as well. He reads the Mishnah in the same way. That's significant. Rabbi Yohanan was the rabbi of Eretz Yisrael. He read the Mishnah as well. That Beit Hillel's opinion is this Mishnah, they're telling you a principle, Yom Tob, activity which is Sorech Yom Tob at the very least, is permitted, but it's not for food. Permitted! But I, I thought only for food. Mitoh, from the fact God was telling you, it permitted these, again, to, to say it a little sharper, this might be the best way to say it, 
God's words in the Torah, we read it as, in a simple reading, we say, well, you're allowed to do melacha for food. It's not the way you read it. You read it like this. Melacha, which can be done for food, is allowed. What do you mean? That's the idea of mitoch. That's the principle of Beit Hillel, as opposed to Beit Shammai. Says the Gemara, you should know If you read the words of Rabbi Yohanan carefully, you'll understand that he as well agrees. He never said it per se explicitly. Uh, maybe uh, he implied it very clearly, but you have to read his words and understand the context and understand what he says in order to understand that he in turn is reading it as well. The Mishnah has broadly speaking permissibility of Betila, not only about Hotza'ah, but even about other Melachot. We're going to read about two more Melachot which are explicitly mentioned as permitted on Yom Tov. And our understanding will be according to Beit Hillel. What are those? Melechet mevashel, we kind of understand bishul. Bishul means to cook something. Of course, it's got many laws and derivatives when it comes to Shabbat and Yom Tov. That's going to be one which is mentioned. And the other one is hav'ara, kindling a fire. Now, we have to be careful, although we don't need to do it per se today, about this kindling fire permissibility when it comes to Yom Tov. Because although kindling fire for purpose of food is permitted, we're going to see, later in the Masechets, what makes things a little tricky, we're going to see there's nonetheless a rabbinic prohibition of starting that fire. So whereas you're allowed to use that fire, you're allowed to be able to deal with that fire, Melechet Havara is permitted, there will be a problem called Moli De'esh we'll encounter later on. It's for that reason you can't per se turn on the flame on Yom Tov. But what do you mean? You told me Havara is permitted. There's still a problematic issue called Moli De'esh. The Gemara here doesn't address that. The Gemara is kind of assuming you know the rabbinic violations. I just want to mention that at the onset. But anyway, what is it then that the Rabbi Yohanan said, which makes us understand that his opinion was like Rabbi Yitzhak Avdimi There was an individual who recited a Beraita in front of Rabbi Yohanan. Here's where it said in the Beraita. Hamesh. How do you like that? It should be in the riddles in the newsletter. How do you cook and eat something on Yom Tov and get five lashes for doing so? What's the case? A person who's mevashel, he cooks gidhanasheh. Gidhanasheh is the uh, forbidden uh, part of the animal, the sinew, which is forbidden specifically. We know it from the story in Bereshit Perek Bet, where Yaakov fights with the Malach. And ultimately speaking, we learn from the Torah, you're not allowed to eat gidhanasheh. So you cooked the gidhanasheh to get with milk on Yom Tov and then ate it five malkuyot, five lashes for doing so, five prohibitions that were violated. What are they? Number one, lokem mishu mevashel gid. The first one is bishu. You cooked something. You're not allowed to cook something on Yom Tov. Uh, the implication is, right, certainly not on Shabbat. We're understanding Yom Tov as well. What? How do you like that? So you already see how we're going to have Rabbi Yohanan's reaction to this. Rabbi Yohanan's going to say, you see that, Beraita? That was according to the opinion of Beit Shammai, whereas according to Beit Hillel, that would be permitted. That's exactly where we're going with this. Mevashel gid, veloke mishum, number two, ochel gid, you ate gid of course that's forbidden. Veloke mishum, mevashel basar behalav, you're forbidden to even cook basar behalav, milk and meat together. The Gemara Masechet Hulin, which Rashi cites on Davkov Tetvav, 
quotes from Tanad Ve'erbi Ishmael. Tanad Ve'ishmael teach that the fact that the Torah in three places says Lo Tevashel Gedi Bahalev Imo, it implies it teaches us that there's three violations: cooking, eating, and benefiting. All are prohibited. It means cooking is going to be another one of those malkuyot. Number four: Mishum Loke Mishum Ochel Gid Veloke Mishum Mishum Vashel Veloke Mishum Ochel Basar Bechalav. That's a separate violation. Eating the Basar Bechalav. That's number four. And lastly, number five: Veloke Mishum Havaara. The very kindling of the fire is a prohibition as well. Says Rabbi Ochanan to the person who's reciting this beraita. He says to him, Amar le Pok Tane Libra. Go and teach that beraita outside. That's a faulty beraita. That's a beraita which follows the opinion of Bet Shammai. Why so? Have Arau Bishul and Amishnah. Two of those violations which you mentioned: the Isur of Bishul on Yom Tov and the Isur of Have on Yom Tov and Amishnah. Because after all, those are the Ve'im Timsel Lomar Mishnah Bet Shammai. Damre Lo Amrinah Mitoch Sheutra Otzal Lesorech Utra Namesh Lo Lesorech Hacheneme Lo Amrinah Mitoch Sheutra Have Arau Lesorech Utra Namesh Lo Lesorech Di Bet Hilel Kevan De Amre Mitoch Sheutra what the Gemara, what Rabbi Yohanan fills out in these several lines goes as follows. He explains to the person who was reciting that Beraita, one second, that Beraita is faulty. It shouldn't have mentioned Havara, it shouldn't have mentioned Bishul, the kindling of the fire and the cooking. Why not? Because each of those are permitted according to Beit Hilel. The same way Beit Hilel told us in the Mishnah that you're allowed to be motzi, go from one domain to another while carrying because we extend the Isur of of Ochel Nefesh, of the Hetev Ochel Nefesh, so too we should extend it to these Melachot as well. Bet Shammai would disagree. What's the Sorech over here? Ultimately speaking, you're eating something which is forbidden. Ultimately speaking, you're cooking something which is forbidden. What sort of Sorech is there for the Havara and the Bishu? Rashi has no problem. Rashi never told us you have to have a Sorech. What would Tosafot answer? Tosafot, the top right-hand corner says, you were thinking that you were going to eat it. Maybe you were mistaken, but in your mind you're going to eat it. That for you is Sorech Yom Tov. But you're going to be eating something that's prohibited, but in your mind it was permitted, in your mind you were going to do so, that we call Sorech Yom Tov. It means then, to conclude, the Gemara gave us the final line on this matter. There's a fundamental dispute, a mahlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel about this concept called mitoch. Not only is Sorech Ochel Nefesh permitted with regards to many of the Melachot on Yom Tov, but even Shilole Sorech Ochel Nefesh, even if you're not doing it with the express purpose and reason of eating, it's permitted as well. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen. Bihana Musham